0: Welcome in to another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, General Manager at Wisports.net, and your host for the WSN podcast. We're into week seven of the high school football season, which means we have started to produce some pretty significant football playoff content on WSN. Started this week with our first playoff qualifying report for week seven, which takes a look at the teams that have clinched a playoff spot, the teams that have become... Uh, that, that need to win one more time to uh, to clinch a playoff spot, and then the teams that need to uh, to win to get on that uh, proverbial bubble. So uh, you can check that content out. After this week, we really get into uh, to some more interesting playoff content as we will do projections of every game the rest of the year, pro- projecting, predicting a winner and loser. In doing that, after week seven here, we will then be able to put together a projected, unofficial playoff qualifying field, which will give us an idea of where cut lines will be pretty close. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be upsets over the last couple weeks. There's going to be games that go differently than what we anticipated. And uh, the, the final cut lines, the final qualifying field will be different than what we project after week seven and after week eight. But it'll give us an idea. It'll give us... Uh, something to talk about as well with high school football not that there's a shortage of that necessarily but um we'll uh we'll, we'll start to do that after this week as well and continue to put together our playoff qualifying report we'll continue to talk significantly about the football playoffs because that's going to be a big focus here the last few weeks in addition to conference title races speaking of conference title races there's a number of number one versus number two or the the two teams sharing the current conference lead. Meeting up this week in high school football, we will preview that our week seven preview shortly. Before we do that, though, we're going to get to uh, some some analysis and information that we published this week, uh, digging a little bit deeper into the WI's recently released playoff or excuse me, tournament performance factor. Uh, where we did the math and, and we have a better idea of what that's going to look like. Before we do that, though. Let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Once again, thank you to the Wisconsin Department of Transportation for sponsoring our WSN podcast. And the uh, the, the focus initially here, the early part of our, our podcast for today will be that analysis we did of the WI's proposed tournament performance factor. Recall this is information that came out of the area meetings over the last couple weeks introduced by the WIAA and the ad hoc committee that had been uh, formed to study competitive balance concerns. We're not going to rehash the entire decades-old argument of public-private competitive balance, competitive equity, rural-urban, reducer, success factor, all the other things, but I will say, if you have interest in those and learning more about that that background and that history, please head over to Wissports.net. We do have a whole page with articles, data, information, petitions, all kinds of stuff going back seven, eight years now on this competitive balance concept. So again, the ad hoc committee released their proposal, which is kind of two parts. Uh, the, the first part is a uh, a request process where schools could request to move up or down, and most of them would likely be asking to move down uh, a division, sport by sport, uh, to the WI staff. Uh, essentially, almost self-identifying what division they feel they should be in. If if I've Division Three in basketball and I've always been Division Three, but I feel like uh, I should be Division Four based on a number of factors. Excuse me. I can request to move down. WIAA staff reviews it, approves or denies. We'll we'll talk more, and we have talked more about that part of the plan in detail uh, previously. We'll talk more about it uh, in in further detail later on. But wanted to introduce that idea. But because that is something that requires, you know, schools to request to do, we don't know what schools will do that. How many of them will? I could see scenarios where. A lot of them request to move down, and then, you know, how does that get handled? Um, But because we don't know about that, we can't really project how that would impact the playoffs. What we can do, however, is identify and review the second part of the proposal, which is the tournament performance factor. It's the exact same points-based system that was presented first in the success factor proposal back in 2015 it did not get approved back then but it would it does apply points based on your finish in state tournaments and if you accumulate enough points if you accumulate 6 points over a 3 year period you would be moved up a division this is applied equally to public schools and private schools you get four points for winning a state title, three points for advancing to a championship game and, and finishing as runner-up, two points if you make the final four uh, and if you lose in the state semifinals, and you get one point for going out in the final eight. So whether that's a sectional final, level three for football, maybe a state quarterfinal, whatever the the designation is, the final eight, if you lose at that level, you get one point. So again, if you accumulate six points over a three-year rolling period, you would be moved up a division in that particular sport applied equally for public and private schools. There would be an appeals process for the tournament performance factor, which is different and notable compared to the success factor introduced back in 2015. Uh, You would be able to appeal your, uh, your elevation, if you will, As part of this performance factor, and they have criteria that you can appeal based on. And this would go to a still to be formed 15 member classification committee. But the factors that you could appeal on would be your prior year out of building student percentage on rosters or historical movement of student athletes. Essentially, if all your good players left and you're not going to be as good, you could appeal based on that. You could appeal based on your socioeconomics, your demographics, your competitive history geography, enrollment trends, participation rates, other enrollment factors, those are things that you could use to appeal to not be moved up if your team generated enough points as part of that tournament performance factor. Again, it's a three-year period, six points needed to be moved up. So with that idea in mind, that basis in mind, a question that many people had was how would it actually impact things? If you applied this proposal, this part of the proposal, the tournament performance factor, was applied now, how impactful would it be? How many teams would move up? Who would move up? Would it move up the teams that people um, you know, have the biggest issues with? And that's what we have done uh, with our analysis of this performance factor. Uh, has not, to my knowledge, been done Um with the, uh, WIAA. And in fact, I, I believe they said at the last area meeting earlier this week at Mount Horeb that they were not, uh, likely going to do that right away. Uh, did not have the staff resources to be able to do it. We have put that together over the last few days, uh, a few notes on the process and in what we did. So, uh, the the materials presented by the WIA's ad hoc committee specifically mentions bracketed team sports. It uses language such as one point for advancing to the state quarterfinal, sectional final, or level 311 player football. It uses language about uh, advancing to the state championship game, advancing to the state semifinals. However, there are non-bracketed team sports that don't have a bracket, that don't have a semifinal or a quarterfinal, uh, where it's all points-based. So sports like golf, track, cross-country, gymnastics, swimming and diving all use uh, non-bracketed finishes. We likely know how those non-bracketed sports would be assigned for points. Uh, For instance, if you win a state title, you're going to get four. If you finish second in the points, you're going to get three points in this tournament factor. Likely would be if you finish third and fourth, third or fourth, that you would get two points because you're you know you're at that level. Fifth through eighth in the points uh, at the state tournament finish would get you one point for this tournament factor. It's likely that's how it would be uh, determined, but they have not identified that exactly. So for that reason, we did not apply or analyze the impact of this ter- tournament performance factor on those non-bracketed team sports because we're just not 100% sure how they would handle those. Also, girls hockey, boys volleyball, eight player football are all single division sports. So there's no teams that could move up or down anyway. So we did not total points for those sports. Boys hockey just recently moved to two divisions. This will be the third year of two divisions for boys hockey. So with only two previous years available, uh, whereas this plan requires the evaluation of three years, we did not look at boys hockey either because it, it's not we're not able to apply it to three years of data because they have only had two years as a two-division sport. Obviously, we had COVID impacts in 2020 and 2021. Um, there was no boys and girls basketball state tournaments in 2020. All of spring sports for 2020 were canceled. Uh, there was other impacts that continued into the following year of 2020-21. If you recall, about a third of the teams in the fall sports moved to this, an alternate spring season, so we essentially had split seasons. There was no state tournament for football that year. Uh, even basketball was impacted with a shortened season. The playoffs for basketball were impacted. We're going to talk about that a little bit later as well. So there's some sports that we're unsure how they will consider results from, from those seasons. Uh, and, and there's some indications that, you know, maybe you just ignore that whole year. I don't know. Um, but we will, uh, we'll see what they decide on that, obviously. And, and also, uh, just a, another note, the timeline for this, this proposal, they have generated feedback now at these area meetings. They're going to review that feedback, the, the ad hoc committee will, over the next uh, few weeks and months. They will uh, decide if they need to make any tweaks or changes based on that feedback. February 1st, board of control meeting, they will present a final proposal. The board at that time will vote to advance it to the annual meeting agenda or deny it. I have a feeling they will advance it. Uh, it's almost certain they will advance it, I think. Uh, otherwise, why would they put all this effort and energy into this committee and this research and um, you know hiring data analytic firms and, and, uh, and those kinds of things? And then it will go to the annual meeting in April of 2023, next April, for a uh, a vote by the member schools. It would take a simple majority to vote yes for this to be implemented. The timeline from there, if voted to be implemented in April of 23, it would not go into effect until the 2024-25 school year in sports season. So by the time it goes into effect, we'll have a more consistent three years that we can look at data and and not have these COVID years impacted. So uh, it'll be a little bit easier that way. But we obviously have to just go by what we can right now because we're trying to apply it to right now to see who would have moved for this school year under this plan to, again, get a better idea of just what the impact would be. Another note before we dig into each sport, uh, is that obviously Sun Prairie, uh, split into two schools this year, Sun Prairie East and Sun Prairie West, likely almost certain that both schools and both teams would be division one for every sport, except for football, where we anticipate that they will be division two, at least for this year. I think they'll continue to increase and likely are back to division one by the time this would be implemented, but just for the sake of argument and, uh, and whatever, because there's now two teams out of that one, any points accumulated by Sun Prairie, this, the single Sun Prairie teams in previous years, were divided equally between Sun Prairie East and Sun Prairie West. So, for example, last year, Sun Prairie's football team finished as Division One state runner-up, which would have gotten them three points in the tournament performance factor. We split that down the middle, gave one and a half points to Sun Prairie East. We gave one and a half points to Sun Prairie West. Again, it's not going to impact uh, any other sports except for possibly football, um, but they wouldn't have accumulated enough points to move anyway. So just a note of, of where we're at there. Speaking of football, it's going to be the first sport that we look at and, and talk about here today. Uh, there's another note regarding football. Uh from the ad hoc committee's plan because football is unique and that not everybody makes the playoffs. We don't know the divisions or qualifiers until all regular season games are done. As a result, there's a shortened window from the end of the regular season to the beginning of the end of regular season where we know the playoff qualifiers and divisions until the start of the playoffs. There will not be a process for schools to request up or down. The tournament performance factor will still apply, however. Teams that would be moved would be identified earlier and there would be a window during the season before the playoffs come around where schools could appeal whether they were going to get moved up or not. They would know if they were going to meet that criteria to get moved up and then they could appeal and all that would be determined and figured out before the final Friday night of the high school football season when everything's a mad dash, um, but then could it be applied from there because Football requires 32 teams in each division to fill a bracket. If a team gets elevated, if a team gets moved up because of the tournament performance factor, another team does have to move down in a corresponding move. So that is a you know, part of this, this conversation is that, yeah, if, if I'm in Division 4 and Catholic Memorial gets moved up because they meet this tournament performance factor, well, somebody else is going to come down and... it's probably going to be somebody you'd play rather play than Catholic Memorial, but it would result in a, a little bit larger team coming down. So just something to keep in mind. So for football, we reviewed and totaled the points for 2018, 2019, and 2021. Obviously no playoffs in 2020 and there was a split season. So we just ignored that completely. I think this was maybe the most surprising one, um, because a lot of the the focus of public-private angst and um, conversations has been around basketball, um, in in some other sports too, including football. But a lot of it is is basketball kind of focused, if you will. I would have thought that perhaps the biggest impact, the most number of teams moving, maybe would have been in basketball. However, it's actually in football, based on our projection or based on our math, which I. Nobody has said that I've got it wrong yet. Uh, we did. We did post it. Um, Thirteen teams meet that six-point threshold to move up. However, three of those teams—Muskego, Kimberly, Franklin—are already Division One and can't move up, so they have nowhere to go. Uh, that leaves ten teams that would move up a division. Would have moved up a division in 2022 if this tournament performance factor had been applied. Let's take a look at those teams, and probably could have guessed a number of them. Catholic Memorial moves up. They've won state titles every year, 18, 19, and 21. St. Mary Springs moves up. They would move up from 6 to 5. Blackhawk, Muskego, again, they, they don't move up, but they met the point threshold. Key would move from D1 to D, uh, from D2 to D1, as would Homestead. Edgar would move up from 7 to 6. Franklin and Kimberly meet the point threshold, but again, cannot go anywhere. Lake Country Lutheran would move up from 5 to 4. Reidsville goes from 7 to 6. Regis would go from 7 to 6. And Stratford would go from 6 to 5. And those are based on our projections, which again, there's a few of these teams that might, um, might end up in different divisions based on our projections. And if, if they did, then let's say Regis ends up in D6, Instead of D7, if they were supposed to be in D6, they would have gotten elevated to Division 5, actually. So, again, the most number of teams that were impacted, that would have been impacted if the tournament performance factor uh, was applied to this year, most number of teams, high school football. 13 teams met the point threshold. 10 teams would have moved up. Again, teams that, that you would expect, because there have been a few that have kind of dominated and maybe maybe as we think about it again and and look at things again maybe it's not surprising that the most teams impacted would be in football where there is a growing gap between the haves and the have-nots the elite teams and the teams that really struggle the teams uh in some of the larger divisions that are based in population centers and uh not just in population centers, but in higher economic status, the Wanakees and Homesteads and Muskegos of the world, compared to teams that are in lower economic communities that are struggling, whether it's MPS, Green Bay Public Schools, uh, Madison Public Schools, even some of the uh, suburban schools that that have struggled, the West Allis schools come to mind, uh, Waukesha school, schools uh, struggling a little bit. So, again, maybe, maybe that... That concept of biggest impact in football shouldn't be too surprising. But it does, it does address the teams that most people have the biggest problems with when it comes to private schools anyway, which is Catholic Memorial, St. Mary Springs, and Regis. Those are the three biggest ones that get mentioned uh, quite frequently. Lake Country Lutheran does you know a good amount as well, but they're struggling just to make the playoffs this year. Uh, But it does, again, it does impact public schools, and it does impact a team like Wanakee. It does impact small public schools like Edgar, Stratford, Reedsville, Blackhawk. Girls volleyball, we uh, looked at the 18, 19, and 21 seasons as well. There were seven teams that met the threshold. However, Oconomowoc and Burlington already in Division I, so that means five teams only would move up in girls volleyball. Uh, and interestingly enough, only two of those five, uh, two of those five and two of the seven total that met the point threshold were private schools. There's been years and times where private schools have, have been really uh, dominant in girls volleyball, but perhaps not as much right now. The, the private schools impacted would have been Catholic Central and Lake Country Lutheran. Not going to run through the full list. Uh, again, you can check it out in our article on Wisports.net but uh, a little bit smaller group in girls' volleyball. Boys soccer, there's been a few teams that have dominated there, and uh, we looked at 18, 19, and 21 once again. Seven teams met the threshold. Marquette and Verona are already Division I, can't go anywhere. Five teams would have been impacted um, and, and moved. Of the seven teams that met the threshold, only one, was a private school and that's Marquette who's already Division one and can't go anywhere so it does seem that the the private schools do pretty well in boys soccer but none that have uh, at least in the smaller divisions that have met the criteria to get moved up if it was applied to this year again some of the other fall sports uh, many of them are are points based go, uh, girls golf tennis cross country uh, so we did not review and analyze those. Let's take a look at boys basketball, which has been one of the bigger conversations around this whole topic of competitive balance over the years. Uh, Before we get to that, though, let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. So boys basketball and girls basketball, um, and actually team wrestling, um, were, were a little unclear if or how the WIAA would consider the 2021 state tournaments, because there were a number of COVID interruptions still at that time. There were teams that had to drop out of the playoffs because of COVID. There were teams that uh, were impacted throughout the year. The Milwaukee schools did not play. There were adjustments to the divisional structures for the postseason where sectionals were reseeded. There were smaller pod systems in regionals. The cut lines were adjusted because of the teams not playing. So because of that, we're uncertain whether they would consider that or not. But again, by the time this is going to be implemented, these that year would be off the books, if you will, and would not uh, would not come into play. So it would be easier to figure things out from there. So we looked at it two different ways, and we figured it two different ways. We figured it one way for boys and girls basketball and team wrestling with ignoring not just the 2020 season for boys and girls basketball where there was no state tournaments, um, but ignoring 2021 as well because of some of those COVID impacts. So we looked at 18, 19, and 22. We, uh, using that, 18, 19, and 22, for boys basketball – the total impacted teams would be seven. A couple of them, Nina and Brookfield Central, already D1, can't go anywhere. Uh, but teams that would move up under this proposal, if you looked at 18, 19, and 22 for boys basketball, teams that would move up Roncalli, Bangor, Lacrosse Central, Milwaukee Washington, and Nicolet. Maybe not all of the teams that people would have expected or wanted. But that's how it came out. If you looked at 1921 and 22, if you included 2021 in there, six teams would be impacted. Again, two of them are Brookfield Central and Nina can't go anywhere. The other teams, though, this is where you know some of the teams at school that, that public school proponents have issues with. Four teams would move up, including Roncalli, Lake Country Lutheran, and Lords Academy. So that's three private schools, as well as Pewaukee, who's won two straight state championships in boys' basketball. So that's the impact of uh, boys' basketball. Again, we looked at it a couple different ways. You can get the full breakdown at Wisports.net. Looking at girls' basketball, same thing. We did it twice, once ignoring 21, and another including 21. So if we look at... 18, 19, 22, ignoring 2021, there would be six teams impacted. Beaver Dam goes from 2 to 1. Aquinas goes from D4 to D3. Marshall goes from D4 to D3. Blackhawk goes from 5 to 4. Laconia would go from 4 to 3. And Malros mindoro would go from 4 to 3. If we included 2021, so we'd be looking at 19, 21, and 22, uh, a number of uh, of private schools that people have issues with would be impacted, including Notre Dame. Now, back to back state champions in girls basketball, and likely will be favorites once again. Uh, would go from Division Two to Division One. Aquinas would go from four to three. Assumption would go from five to four. Then also uh, public schools: Mineral Point, Blackhawk, Freedom, and Laconia would be impacted. If you look at nineteen twenty one and twenty two in girls basketball, applied to this year using the proposed tournament performance factor. Again, can't emphasize enough, these are not changes that are going to be made. These are hypotheticals to identify and review what this tournament performance factor actually would do, how it would impact, how many teams roughly it would impact. The number of teams impacted will vary, obviously. Some years it might be four or five, some years it might be six or seven. But it gives us a better idea. You know, we didn't know if it was going to be 2 or 20. But a little bit better idea now. Team Wrestling. Again, unsure if they would use 2021 because of the the COVID interruptions and adjustments. Now, you would use 2020 uh, because you have that data available. Because they completed the tournament series in 2020. Uh, Another note regarding wrestling, the WI did clarify uh, at at the meeting that it would apply equally to teams and individuals on those teams. So, if your team meets this threshold to move up, as an individual, you would move up in the regional, sectional, and state tournaments as well, and that's in part because wrestling sectionals qualifiers for teams are based on regional individual finishes. And you add up points for those to determine and produce the the team sectional qualifiers. And then obviously that determines the team wrestling state tournament qualifiers. So long story short, if we look at uh 19 20 and 22 and ignore 21 because of some of the other impacts there would be seven teams impacted and calcona are d1 already as well as stoughton and can't go anywhere but you also have fenimore coleman random lake and stratford if we looked at 20 21 and 22 if we included 2021 Pretty similar group of teams would would be impacted: Coleman, Cocona, Stoughton, Amory, Fenimore, Prairie Des and Random Lake. Stoughton and Cocona already D1, can't go anywhere. The other teams would get moved up, however. So again, a, a little bit uh, you know different in team wrestling because of that that individual factor, because of the uncertainty of how we would handle uh, and how specifically the WIAA would handle uh, the. 21 year where things are different, um, but that's what the wrestling, team wrestling, and again would impact individual wrestling as well would look like. Uh, boys hockey again we do not we don't have three years of data of two division data. We also only have one division of. Boys, or excuse me, of girls hockey, so we did not look at that. So that will do it for the winter sports that we looked at. Spring sports, baseball. Obviously, we would not use 2020 because there was no season for 2020, but felt pretty comfortable we could use 21 even though the season was adjusted. Now, again, the WIA might come in and say, no, we're just going to ignore that year completely, and that that may happen, but again, by the time they have to apply it, 21 would not be Included, it would be 22, 23, and 24. So for baseball, six teams would have been impacted and moved up a division, or at least met the threshold, rather, in the ad hoc committee proposal. Denmark, Bayport, Boyceville, Jefferson, Kenosha, St. Joseph, and Regis. Bayport is Division One already. They have nowhere to go. But there are obviously a couple smaller uh, private schools in there, St. Joseph's and Regis softball same thing did not include 2020 obviously we did include 2021 although the wi could you know choose to ignore that one but only five schools impacted in softball Poinette, horicon cocona michakat blair taylor is already division 1 can't go anywhere Poinette would go from 3 to 2 horicon 4 to 3 michakat 3 to 2 blair taylor 4 to 3 and again these are hypothetical applications of this formula if applied to this season this upcoming season for spring sports girls soccer same thing 1921 22 now there were more uh impacts here in girls soccer nine teams met the threshold however muskego and dsha are already division one can't be moved up seven teams therefore would be moved and there were a few private schools in there including notre dame the prairie school lake country lutheran would all be moved up a division under this proposal. With other spring sports like track and field being points-based, we did not identify and review those at this time. We may do that at a later time, but we did not uh, identify those because they're points-based and we're unsure how the WIAA will uh, will do those and and consider and apply points for non-bracketed Team sports like track, cross country, gymnastics, tennis, golf. Um, unsure how they'll apply those. So that's a brief synopsis of how things worked out with actual application of this proposal, this formula, this tournament playoff, uh, tournament performance factor, if applied to this year. Again, it gives us a better idea of how many teams might be affected, which teams might be affected. Um, and just give some additional context and data as people consider this plan, as the schools consider this plan, as the WIA ad hoc committee, the WIA Board of Control considers this uh, this plan and information. You can find all of this laid out, black and white, very easy to, to find and read on uh, on wisports.net Would certainly encourage you to do that. Um, I'm sure it's a little easier to digest there than reading through things here on the podcast, but did want to talk about it and introduce and clarify a few things um, out of this tournament performance factor. Let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, uh, let's move on, and, and we'll, we'll spend some more time on this topic of uh, the, the tournament performance factor, this ad hoc committee competitive balance proposal. In fact, uh, in a few weeks, I would like to bring on one of the uh, members of that committee to talk a little bit more about it, uh, get an idea of you know what went into it, the why, in terms of why these particular proposals. Also... Talk a little bit more about the feedback that they gathered and and how they see and view that, if there was anything consistent that came from all of those meetings, because as we've seen over the years, different areas of the state, different demographics, different school sizes have different views on things, and something that might be supported in one area is opposed in another, and I think that could be the case here, so it'd be good to, to get an idea on how that overall feedback went. So we'll have uh, a member of that committee on here in the next few weeks to dive into it a little bit more. But let's turn our attention now to week seven of the high school football season, highlight some of the big games on the schedule this week, and we'll start, as we usually do, with the Quick Trip in Wisconsin Dairy Game of the Week, Regis and Mondovi. Regis is undefeated, Mondovi's undefeated, they've both dominated this year, um, Regis has gotten a little bit of a boost even the last few uh, weeks, last two weeks, because of the return from injury of Xander Rockow, the Minnesota commit that we thought had been lost for the season with with a a shoulder injury. But he has been able to return, and it's a good thing, obviously, to get him back out there, one of the state's best players. In fact, we had him ranked second in our WSN senior uh, player rankings, very versatile player. As a uh, a running back, defensive lineman, linebacker type kid. So gotten a boost from him. Uh, Mondovi, they've got their own dynamic duo. Dawson Rudd, Jared Faulkner. uh, Outstanding backfield uh, players. So this is going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to getting up there. I've seen Regis at the state tournament a couple of times. I have not seen Mondovi before. So this will be a new one that I can add to my list. um, And a new location as well. uh, I think it was about... 2 hours and 20 minutes, 2 hours and 15 minutes, something like that, up to Mondovi, which is about my average drive so far this year. Was maybe hoping a little bit for the Columbus at Lodi game, uh, a little bit shorter drive for me. I also thought about nominating um, Reedsburg and Baraboo. That would have been a, a Reedsburg game, would have been 10 minutes from my house, but uh, did nominate Reedsburg and Alaska last week and, and did not win, so... Uh, as much as it would have benefited me and made my my drive and my uh, my night and Saturday morning easier, instead went with uh, with this uh, with other games, including this one, the Quick Trip in Wisconsin Dairy Game of the Week, Regis at Mondovi. Really looking forward to getting up there. In the Milwaukee area, there's another big one in the Classic Eight. Stop me if you've heard that one before, right? Arrowhead and Muskego both trailing McGuinnigo. In fact, they've both both lost to top-ranked McGuinnigo, but there's a chance the winner of this one still has a chance to, to stay in that classic eight race if something wild and crazy happens with Maguano um, but the, uh, the 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 winner again stays in that race and builds their playoff resume for seeding. You know the winner of this one likely gets a home game, almost certainly gets a home game in in uh, level one, likely gets a home game in level two, and perhaps gets a home game in level three. The loser. They might even have to go on the road in Level 1, possibly. I I still think there's a good chance they get a home game in Level 1, but probably got to go on the road in Level 2, certainly Level 3. So there's a home playoff game somewhere on the line in this one, almost certainly. Speaking of McGuanagoe, they're rolling. They have taken care of business against the best teams in the Classic 8, but they can't get uh, complacent. Because if you recall last year, Muskego was uh, unbeaten had just defeated McGuanagoe, seemed to be in control, but what happened? They went and played Oconomowoc, and Oconomowoc scored the upset, one of the biggest upsets of the year. That allowed Oconomowoc to get into the playoffs just barely. It cost Muskego an outright conference title. It cost them an undefeated regular season. It cost them a home playoff game later in the year. So McGuanagoe's got to be careful with Oconomowoc, the Raccoons' In search of that uh, that that win, that propels them into the playoffs. Milwaukee King and Riverside have been two of the best and most consistent programs in the in the Milwaukee City Conference. They meet up this week. You've got the battle of Brookfield, Brookfield Central and Brookfield East. It's very rare that both schools from a multi high school district are good at the same time. Very very rare. Almost never happens is happening over the last number of years for Brookfield East and Brookfield Central. So that's going to be a good one in the Greater Metro Conference. Speaking of the Greater Metro Conference, what a wild uh, ride that one is right now. Five teams tied atop the standings heading into this weekend. It's going to change significantly, but five teams tied at 3-1 and one because last week Sussex-Hamilton, who had seemingly been in control, lost to Marquette. Now leaves a five way tie for first. Sussex Hamilton plays at Germantown this week, who is one of those other teams currently tied for first. Germantown's off to uh got got off to a rough start. They were 0 3 to start the year, one of those teams that we had talked about. But they've won three in a row, gotten themselves back in the race. Uh not just to make the playoffs, but big end of the season and you know they could finish atop those standings there in the Greater Metro Conference. Franklin lost last week to rival Oak Creek, first time since 2014. Big win for Oak Creek, who really dominated that one. Quite honestly, um, how does Franklin bounce back? They they've got to do it quickly because they're at Racine Horlick this week, who's put up some pretty good numbers. They've got you know some really good players. Maybe not the depth that Franklin would have, but certainly difference makers at Racine Horlick. University School is at Martin Luther. They're currently tied atop the uh, the conference standings in the Greater Metro. Excuse me, in the Metro Classic with Racine Saint Catharines. Speaking of Racine Saint Catharines, they welcome in Lake Country Lutheran this week, who's dropped back to back one score games, where uh, Lake Country Lutheran had a chance to convert a two point conversion in the fourth quarter to go ahead, but they did not convert that two point conversion. Lost both games. And Lake Country Lutheran' now two and four overall and two and two in conference. Very similar situation to the Menominee Mustangs, who we'll talk about later, you know, went from one of the best teams in the state. In fact, they won a state title in 2019 to now struggling just to get enough wins to get in the postseason. New Berlin West lost for the first time last week against Catholic Memorial. They're looking to rebound, but they've got another state champion coming in as they will welcome in Pewaukee this week. In the Madison area, again, uh, my Reedsburg Beavers, playing in the state's most played rivalry game, 135th time between Reedsburg and Baraboo. One of the most amazing stats of any high school sports right now, 134 previous meetings between Baraboo and Reedsburg, deadlocked, tied 64, 64, and six. Just unbelievable. They've been playing that many times for that many years and tied heading into this 135th battle for the Old River Jug. Reedsburg coming off their first loss last week. They were shut out by Onalaska, 35-0. Interesting note after that one, Reedsburg is now 3-1 and in conference play, but they have a negative 11-point differential because they've won a lot of close games and then had the one blowout loss. Uh, Jeff Searing, a longtime newspaper man here in uh, Reedsburg, did a great article uh, that we published on Wisports.net back in 2014 looking at this rivalry between Baraboo and Reedsburg, the most played rivalry in the state of Wisconsin, where he highlighted some of the crazy games and happenings that they've had over the years. Uh, you know, the lights went out during a game one time, kind of mysteriously. Um, there was, uh, you know, a, a monsoon game that finished three nothing. There was times where one of the teams was really good, and the other team scored an upset or, or struggled. Uh, you know, the better team struggled just because of the nature of the rivalry. Talking about, you know, the early days of this rivalry, they played without helmets. They would play in a cow pasture. They would play two games in a weekend uh, because of the the limited travel options that were available back then. There was no cars, or you know, at least. Proliferation of cars to be able to carry enough people, they would have to take uh, you know horse-drawn wagons, and uh, so just some great history that Jeff Searing had. And again, they play for the old, or uh, the old River Jug or the Baraboo River Jug uh, trophy since the early 80s. The story goes that the after Reedsburg won, the Baraboo School Board presented that jug to Reedsburg, saying that was filled with Baraboo River water, Baraboo River mud. In a few Baraboo tiers as well. So great rivalry game between Reedsburg and Baraboo. Certainly one of the highlights this week. Uh, you've also got Blackhawk Warren at potosi Cassville, Broadhead Judah and Adams Friendship. Both teams are undefeated. This is a crossover game between the SWC and South Central. Another one of our Game of the Week nominees, uh, I mentioned earlier, Columbus at Lodi. Uh, would have been an easier trip for me, but that's okay. Uh, this is a great one. Both teams... Ranked in the top 10 in Division uh, 4, Columbus is second, Lodi is sixth. Excuse me, uh, Lodi quarterback Mason Lane really been an outstanding dual threat option this year. Columbus just dominating people, so this is going to be a great game in the Capital Conference. We've talked so much about the Capital Conference this year. The last two unbeatens in league play, somebody comes out sole possession of first place. Speaking of the Capital Conference, we get the Slider Bowl. Uh, is Lake Mills and Lakeside Lutheran Square off, schools separated by less than a mile there in the city of Lake Mills. More rivalry games up in the Fox Valley area, Green Bay West and Green Bay East. A lot of people call this the uh, the most played rivalry. It's not. It's fifth, actually, on the list. But it is the longest continuously played rivalry game in high school football, dating back to 19... 19- 05 east has uh, gotten the edge in this one 63 50 with three ties but even though both are winless right now this always does generate a good amount of buzz up in the green bay area many years ago it, there was more at stake there was more on the line um but both these teams have fallen off considerably uh, over the last few decades and um would like to see, you know, things get back on track, but this is always one that, that people circle Green Bay East and Green Bay West. Another Game of the Week nominee, Notre Dame and Manasha, the two best teams in the uh, FRCC South. Uh, you know, I think these two are going to probably be meeting up to determine a conference championship in that league for for a little while. Uh, and this one is at Manasha. Big East Conference, Cedar Grove, Belgium's at Oostburg. You also have Howard's Grove at Reedsville. Uh, Cedar Grove, Belgium is the last undefeated team in the league. So if Oostburg wins, it throws a little bit of chaos into the equation. Speaking of a little bit of a chaos, uh, we've talked about the Northeastern Conference a number of times, how they dominated those or those uh, crossover games against the Bay Conference, and everybody started Conference 2-0, essentially, in the Northeastern. Things have started to shake out a little bit. Um, but now we get to big one as we get freedom at Little Chute. Little Chute was uh, involved in our quick trip in Wisconsin Dairy game of the week last week. They beat Fox Valley Lutheran handily. Fox Valley Lutheran was out without their quarterback, but was still an impressive performance by Little Chute. Maybe doesn't have that one, you know, singular individual star, but a lot of really, really good football players on that team, both offensively and defensively. So you've got freedom at Little Chute in the Northeastern Conference and, Wrightstown at Fox Valley Lutheran. In the East Central Conference, Berlin is on top of the league standings. They've looked good, but they've got another, another tough one this week uh, with uh, Kiwaskum, who's hot on their heels. Kiwaskum did suffer its first loss of the year last week against rival Plymouth, uh, but Berlin in control now, but Kiwaskum can make things pretty interesting there. In the Packerland Conference, Kiwani plays Southern Door next week. Both are currently undefeated. But the Storm cannot look ahead. They've got Sturgeon Bay this week, and Sturgeon Bay really one of the better stories and more surprising teams this year in the state of Wisconsin. After dropping to eight player for several years, had canceled uh, several seasons in a row. They're sitting here at 4 and 2 overall and 3 and 1 in conference play, 3 and 1 Good chance they'll get into the playoffs. They need one more win to clinch a, uh, a playoff spot. That would be a great story if they could go from, you know, essentially canceling their seasons and dropping to eight player to coming back, doing the work and getting into the playoffs this year. In the FVA, Fond du Lac, we thought they might push Kimberly and, and Appleton North and, and but turned out to be Nina as the other team in there. But, um, hasn't happened for the Cardinals. They're two and two in, in conference. They're three and three overall. And they get Kimberly this week. It is at home for Fond du Lac. Um, Kimberly's you know just rolled people this year. Looked very impressive, not missing a beat with the coaching change. Uh, so an opportunity for Fond du Lac to get kind of that signature win that they have been looking for. St. Mary Springs is at Campbell Sport in the uh, in the Flyway conference. North Central part of the state, another one of those great rivalry games. This is the, uh, what is this, 120, 121st meeting between Marshfield and Wisconsin Rapids. Rapids does lead that series 67-39-4 ties, going back to 1907, the first time they played. Um, Marshfield was 0-2 to start the year, but they've won four straight in conference play. Wisconsin Rapids is a game behind. They've rallied and gotten a couple nice wins in, in recent weeks. So another one of those situations where everybody's chasing Marshfield, and if, if Rapids wins, creates at least a two- and perhaps a three-way tie atop the league standings, which, hey, we'll, we'll take chaos. We'll root for chaos every day and, and excitement heading into these last couple weeks. Unity is at Hurley. A couple big games in the CWC. Large Wauga. Fremont is at Stratford. wittenberg Burnhamwood is at Cheyacton, and then in the Merriwood Conference, undefeated Colby taking on Marathon. In the Eau Claire Lacrosse, northwestern part of the state, game of the week nominee Pepin Alma welcoming in Blair Taylor. You've also got Cashton, who defeated Bangor last week for uh, a big time program win for the Eagles and. You know, could could signal the end of the dominance, at least for this year, of the scenic bluffs conference for Bangor, who's won at least a share of the league title every year since 2014. Uh, but now, Cashin, no no hangovers, no, you know, celebrating yet. They've got to take on a new Lisbon team that's five and one overall. Big Rivers conference uh, intrigue for a number of reasons. Always a very competitive league. A lot of times we get ties atop the league standings. But Menominee is one of the stories of the season so far, and not necessarily in the way that they would like to be. Always a contender in the Big Rivers Conference. They've got a 32-year playoff streak going, but after getting shocked, absolutely shocked, by Eau Claire North last week, Eau Claire North won for the first time over Menominee since 1991. Menominee's in a position where they're 2-4. and four. They're 2-2 two and two in conference play. They've got to get... Two more wins of the next three to guarantee that playoff streak continues. Got to get one more just to get on that proverbial bubble. And they've got to do it this week against New Richmond, who's also looking to get some wins in conference play to get playoff eligible and and move towards that playoff qualification. Big Rivers Conference leader, River Falls, undefeated, ranked third in Division II, travels to Chippewa Falls, who's A really solid team, but 2-2 and in conference play. Again, hungry to get some wins. In the Heart of North, a couple undefeated teams in conference play. Cumberland in Northwestern, they'll meet up. And then uh, down in the Dunn-St. Croix Conference, you've got uh, Spring Valley, who moved into the Division 7 rankings this week, taking on Turtle Lake. So those are some of the big games that that we'll be following this week. Uh, Again, some of the rivalry games, three of the most played, three of the five most played high school football rivalries in the state, in state history, are played this week. Number one, Baraboo-Reedsburg, 135th time. Number four, Marshfield and Rapids for the 121st time. And then Green Bay East and Green Bay West for the 117th time. So I don't know if that makes this rivalry week. um, There's more games Rivalry games uh, on the list from Week 9, but when you got three of the top five, I, I think we'll, we'll call this Rivalry Week because there's a few other ones as well. The Battle for Brookfield and Notre Dame-Manasha, uh, recent rivalry, Blackhawk, potosi cassville Some good ones on the schedule. So that will do it. Uh, again, highly recommend that you take the time to, to digest and maybe even look over a couple of times that uh, analysis we did of the proposed... Tournament Performance Factor that the WI Ad Hoc Committee released to get a better feel for it, what it will impact, how it will impact, and who it will impact. You can find that at wissports.net. You can find all kinds of other good stuff at WSN. We're so excited to, uh, to have announced this week the uh, partnership that we're doing with the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin for the Wisconsin Dairy Athlete of the Week the very first recipient of that award, uh, Levi Nelson from Ellsworth, recognized on our site every month, will recognize another student-athlete that is uh, involved in dairy farming, either lives on a dairy farm, works on a dairy farm, and uh, recognize those hard-working folks that do so much for us here in the state of Wisconsin, America's Dairyland. Very proud of that and, and excited to get that feature going. Uh, we also started this week the Home Field Pride Contest, uh, which will allow... Uh, people that uh, that have some of the better fields in the state, football fields in the state of Wisconsin, to uh, to to vote for the best field. Group of forty-one schools nominated. We're in group one voting right now, um, but the uh, the Midwest Sport and Turf Systems uh, installations around the state uh, voting for that with a one-thousand-dollar donation on the line. So make sure you're checking that out and, and voting in that. Again, that will go over the next several. Weeks We'll have four weeks of, uh, let's call it round one voting, and then uh, we'll move on to the finals. And the winner of that finals vote gets $1,000 uh, donation from Midwest Sport and Turf System. So a big thank you to those folks for uh, helping put that program together. Again, playoff time for football, not far away. Playoff time for other fall sports, not far away either as we move into the latter stages of the fall sports season. Calendar ticks over to October tomorrow. We've also started to get into uh, basketball content. Uh, Mark Miller, as you maybe saw, tweeted out that he's got uh, essentially the Wisconsin Basketball Yearbook completed, sending it off to the printer in the next day or two, and then will be sent out from there. Uh, I believe later this month is the, uh, uh, is the goal to get the 38th annual Wisconsin Basketball Yearbook out into the hands of the people, the Bible of high school basketball in the state of Wisconsin. And uh, so we're moving into that winter sports season as well. When we're in October, I mean, essentially we're a month away from the start of high school basketball. The first girls' practices, I believe, are Monday, November 7th. Boys start a week later, November 14th. So it's going to be here before you know it, and we're going to have you covered Wall-to-wall. Mark Miller on the boys' side, Norbert Durst on the girls' side for all kinds of high school basketball content very soon. But we've got a lot of work to do before then in fall sports, including week seven of the high school football season. A lot on the line. Again, next week you can check out our playoff qualifying report, a look at who's in, who's on the bubble, who's got work to do. And next week will be our first projected playoff qualifying field where we will pick winners and losers of every game the last two weeks of the season, use that to uh, to figure out all the tiebreakers, which are so fun to do. I love figuring tiebreakers for 25 teams um, and put together the projected, unofficial playoff qualifying field for high school football. We'll know the divisional cut lines or you know what will cl- be close to the divisional cut lines, so all kinds of football content coming out over the next few weeks, and again, as I teased, I think last week. Um, looking forward to uh, being involved in a uh, a new thing this year with the WIAA, where they will be doing a bracket release show on the Saturday after the final regular season games. So Saturday, October fifteenth, uh, where we will um, put together our playoff information and, and looking to to be a part of that feature. Uh, releasing the playoff field, releasing the groupings, the seeds, all that good stuff. More details to come on that, but we'll get it out to you as soon as we can. Heading into week seven, big week, movement week, teams that can take a big step towards wrapping up conference titles, that can take a step towards playoff qualification. So get out and check it out. One more time, let's help save lives on Wisconsin roads. The life you save might just be yours. Make the commitment to yourself and passengers that are with you by buckling up and putting the phone down every trip, every time. To find out more, take the pledge at wisconsindot.gov. Well, that will do it for today and the WSN podcast. I am Travis Wilson. We'll see you at a game.